where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. We're looking at the episode Endless Slumper today, first broadcast on the 2nd of December. 1982. Still back in 1982, though not much left now. We're heading to the turn of the, uh, year. Of the year. Turn of the year. The turn common, of the year. Common <laughs> phrase. Do you want to talk about who is the creative team behind the episode, John? We got James Burroughs, and we're all familiar with his uh, name by now. Jimmy B. Jimmy B. We got... Uh, Sam Simon, who yeah. I don't believe has wrote any of the episodes so far. Not yet. But what, what an episode today. What a way to start. Knew what he was doing with this one, didn't he? This is an episode which really delves into the character's emotional background. This is an episode which really delves into Sam's emotional background and really sort of gives a quite a good informative insight into his recovery from alcoholism. Yes, it's quite a serious episode in that respect. Cheers in the episodes so far has dealt with a lot of themes, but I felt this one was most serious and the darkest they've gone so far. Sam Simon did good. Home run with this episode. Baseball metaphor, sports. Uh, we we know sports. We're getting better as we go on. We're knowing the, the terminology. So James, take me back to the 2nd of December. What was on our screens? How did the episode begin? An older woman coming into the bar because Carla's placed an ad looking for a nanny for her children. Now, Carla does not read the CV. She only wants to know whether this elderly woman can throw a good punch. Carla asks her to punch her in a fight club sort of way. And she does hit Carla right across the face. Carla gives her the job. So all you, all you need to take care of the hotel kids, throw a good punch and you're in. That's obviously the cold open. It doesn't have much relevance to the overall story of the episode. The overall story is that Sam loans his lucky bottle cap to a Red Sox pitcher. Rick Walker. Rick Walker, exactly. Who's not been doing well recently. In order to make him more confident and more adept, Sam gives him a bottle cap based on superstition, a symbol of luck and not anything that would necessarily cause a better baseball player. Only gonna be for a couple of days. It's not like it's special or anything, magical. As the episode goes on, Sam really wants the bottle cap to be returned. Yeah, and I think it shows that Rick is quite desperate as well. He comes into the bar really desperate and gets mm. booed as he walks in because he's in that much of a slump. And he's really just looking for any advice he can from Sam. And Sam tries to give him a bit of advice. Coach chips in as well. Sam in the end uh, suggests that maybe something superstitious and lucky might give him uh, a bit of help on along the way. And he ultimately gives his uh, bottle cap to her. So at the beginning of the episode, we see a really confident Sam. Cliff's placing a bit of a, a bet that Sam can slide a glass around the corner of the bar. And Sam does it with confidence and ease. And it shows that he's on his top form. He's sliding glasses everywhere. Nothing can go wrong. Luck's on his side. But this luck runs out when a Red Sox relief pitcher walks into the bar seeking a bit of help. That in itself mirrored Sam's past because Sam was a Red Sox relief pitcher. And I think Sam saw a lot of himself in Rick, hence why he wanted to help him by donating such a personal item as a bottle cap, which, from the sounds of it, may not be very significant. We learn the significance of this mm. bottle cap. And the significance of this bottle cap is that it was the bottle cap from the last bottle of beer Sam drank. The reason he keeps it is because whenever he's tempted to have a drink, he looks at this bottle cap and it reminds him how far he's come and how far he's going to keep going to not drink again. It's the cap off the last bottle of beer I ever drank. The last anything I ever drank. I remember uh, holding on to that bottle cap during some pretty rough nights. I mean, I, I, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have its imprint in my palm. I mean, it was flat because I was squeezing it so hard. When I was tempted to have a drink, sometimes I'd, uh, I'd look at the bottle cap and it would stop me. That's a pretty great little bottle cap, huh? You, you want to know something really crazy, uh... 
last couple of nights I have uh, really had an urge to have a drink. It's got a lot of weight in that. It's a symbol of him overcoming his addiction. And the person who he does confide this into, and the importance of this ball cap, he tells Diane, and she is really sympathetic to that and understands the weight of what that meant to him, but tries to help him see past that and see that it was him and not the bottle cap that overcame addiction. When did you clock the weight of the bottle cap? Because at the start, I just thought it was something you found on a beach. But as it went on, I started thinking, okay, there's more going on here. When did you figure out what the true nature of it was? Throughout the episode, you see his sort of slow decline. An immediate decline when the bottle cap's gone, when he slides the, the glass across the bar and it just falls off the edge. And it's quite comical. But as it goes on, you see his desperation and need for it. So I think for me, it was gradual progression to that downward spiral where he really was desperate by the end. It was in the final scene between him and Diane. He takes a bottle of beer from out of the bar mm. and Diane's begging him, Sam, don't do this, don't do this. And he pours the bottle mm. into a pint glass and the audience is deadly quiet. Mm. It's one of the first times I've seen where they aren't trying to do it for laughs. You could hear a pin drop in that studio. He grabs the pint glass and slides it across the yeah. bar and it goes round the corner and then you hear just a massive cheer. Even I, when I first watched that, was going, yes, sir! Fist bump in the air. The build-up towards that, you genuinely thought he was going to cave in. There was so much power behind that that there was a huge payoff when he didn't give in and kept sober. And I think there's a lot about addiction in this episode superstition but also impulse and that sort of manifests in diane as her tick and i think this is the first time we see her facial tick which is played for laughs quite a bit but she believes that she's overcome it she hasn't she's ticking all the way through the episode seeing that and then seeing sam also trying to overcome something you think he's not going to overcome it the rule of three we see him do the trick three times one is a happy scenario comical scenario two is it falls off the edge and it's again played for laughs but then the third time carries so much weight you're really not really knowing where the scene's going to go one thing i found interesting in the episode is that i felt it touched upon the philosophical debate of free will and mm-hmm. determinism. So whether someone has a choice in their actions, whether that's based on a bottle cap, how well they are at a certain sport, whether that comes to the facial tick, whether that comes to being able to refuse drinking. And there's a lot of onus on mm-hmm. what you do is up to you and you're in control of your own actions and your own future. Yeah. I think that sort of idea about free will is taken away from Sam halfway through the episode and he feels like he's lost control in his surroundings, which starts with the glass falling off the edge, but then he gets into several accidents, he gets caught in the rain and the bar and bets on what bad thing's going to happen to him next. And he feels like he's lost control of what's going on around him and that makes it even harder for him. Cliff particularly is winning money Mm. from Sam's misfortune, which Sam feels he has no control over. And when your place of work, where you spend most of your time and everyone's against you and profiting... From your down down fortunes. Exactly. Then it's understandable why he would want to cave in and not want to be anxious about something anymore. There's an Oscar Wilde quote, which is something along the lines of, the hardest thing to resist is temptation. That's what was probably going through Sam's mind. He was just thinking about that one drink. And maybe if he felt that he had a drink, then he felt he would have been calmer, not as preoccupied. And potentially luckier. And something that we do witness in the episode is all of Sam's luck does go to Rick. Rick Walker, the the down-and-out relief pitcher. And he starts becoming on the top of his game, winning Mm. a lot of matches. He's getting a lot of support from patrons in the bar. And he goes on tour with the bottle cap, plays a lot of games and wins a lot of games. And Sam's desperate to get in contact with him to get that bottle cap back. He's playing one game, which they said... 
oh, it's in the seventh inning, it'll be over soon. Baseball games usually have nine innings. That's mm-hmm. the minimum amount. They're imagining that it'll get to nine innings, Rick will win, but it gets to 21 innings. And you see everyone in the bar getting increasingly nervous. Are you familiar with the phrase, bottom of the ninth? I'm familiar with the phrase, but some clarification on what it means might be useful. What it means is that it's nearing the end of a situation with not much hope of getting out of it. So really, this is kind of Sam's bottom of the ninth. Looks like it was going to be a bad turnout, but in the end, he fought on. He won. He won his personal victory. Shall we talk about the guest cast? Guest actors, yeah. Let's let's give that a go. Christopher McDonald played Rick Walker, and he has appeared in Night Rider. Was he the car? No, he wasn't Kit. And Thelma and Louise and Flubber. Was, was he the car? <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Yeah, was he Flubber? Did anyone play Flubber? Robin Williams could have been Flubber. I know he invented Flubber. And Christopher McDonald was also in Ballers. Played the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. So what what we've established is uh, Christopher McDonald. He's either in programs about sports, cars, or flubber. That's, That's his right. repertoire. <laughs> I only do three things in that. <laughs> Anne Haney played Miss Gilder, elderly woman who gets oh, the okay. job. I've got some stuff about her. She appeared in an episode of Coach. She was in Mrs. Doubtfire, again with Robin Williams. And, most interesting one, she was in the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm to have Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. And she played Mary's mother. So she played Ted Danson's mother-in-law in Curb Your Enthusiasm. They all start somewhere. She started as Carla's children's nanny. Maybe that's how they met. Probably. And now she's his mother-in-law. How life works. Not too many guest characters in this episode, I think. Just some key ones. One in the cold opening, one in the episode. Ah, that's, that's the doorbell, James. Yes, come in, come in. Oh, we got some lovely letters today. We've even got a message sent through by one of the fans there, John. We got a message from a fan? Our we first did. message from a fan? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it out. We got a message from a fan here talking about their huge love for Cheers. They said there's a huge love for this show that it hasn't gone away and it's great to see people talking about it again and the writing, acting and pacing still hold up with a crew that just got so much so right. We couldn't agree more, could we? we could, I think this is one of the big reasons why I've done this podcast is we recognised and we're, we're loving watching the episodes and we're looking forward to see how it evolves and the writing's been so good so far and I think this episode is a key example of that. So far I think one of our favourite episodes. Definitely my favourite episode of season one. So we couldn't agree more with the uh, fan mail. Thank you for sending it in. We'd like to hear from the rest of you as well. Let us know your thoughts on Cheers. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. Just, we'd like to talk to you. Let's get a conversation going. Let, let us know your thoughts on your favourite drinks as well, you know? Oh, yes. We'd love to hear. We'd love to taste them. Get some recommendations. Now back onto the trivia mail. James, you got a lovely letter for me? Sam Simon wrote this episode. What long-running comedy did Sam Simon executive produce? Long-running comedy. Can I get some clues in terms of dates or decades? Uh, started airing in the late 80s, though I think there was only one episode to air in the 80s. So more than 90s. Is it Friends? No. Oh. Should I give you another clue? Go on then. It's the longest running comedy show. Oh, The Simpsons. Yeah. He co-developed it with Matt Groening. Matty G. I've got a lovely letter for you here, James. In the episode, Norm talks about joining a health club. What is his favourite facility in said health club? Is it probably my favourite facility too? It could be, James. Buffet? Yeah, the snack bar. Yes, snack bar. I would be disappointed if you didn't get that, James. As we say here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name, snack on those facts. We've got another question. How much was Carla paying Miss Gilder? Five dollars and 70 cents. Pretty close. Am I? What was it? Six dollars. Oh, I should have just rounded up. 
We mentioned earlier that a lot of the patrons in the bar were uh, betting on Sam's misfortunes. What did Cliff predict in Sam's future? It was something to do with a mind shaft. Yeah, he said, I see a mind shaft. So, you know, if, if Sam didn't get over addiction and recover a little bit, if Sam didn't see the light, he may have ended up in a mind shaft. So it's a good job Diane helped him through it. I've got one for you here. It's a long one. Name three unlucky events that happened to Sam in this episode after giving his bottle cap away. Uh, one of them is that the glass fell off the edge. Yeah. He got caught in the rain. He was late for work. He was late for work. There we go, there's three. I think they're all fairly similar. Yeah. <laughs> the ones I've got written down in chronological order. Failed beer slide, stubbed something, cut himself shaving, fell unconscious in the bathtub, his TV exploded, locked his own keys in his car, and burnt his hands on a coffee pot. Oh yeah, I do remember the coffee pot. <laughs> Sammy, you grabbed the coffee pot by the sides. Yes, I did. Doesn't it hurt? Hurts not the right part. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 anybody have any money down in a coffee pot? Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of bad luck. I wonder how long the episode was set over. It must have been at least a couple of weeks. In the episode, there's quite a lengthy baseball game that uh, Norm watches. There's a quick cut between beginning to towards the end of the game. In that jump, how many pint glasses end up surrounded around Norm that he's drunk? 21. 22, James. No kidding, Norm. Is it the 21st inning? Let's see. Uh, I get 22. But, uh, this one could be the national anthem. <laughs> And he was nearly gone. Actually, he was pretty good for himself after 22 pints. It's his health regime. He's going to the health club, snacking, that's, 22 pints. That's what this lesson taught you. If you go to a health club, you can have 21 pints. 22. And an extra. And an extra, yeah. I don't think I can cope after 22. Yeah, 22 is a bit of a stretch. A lot of alcohol. What do you think, James? 22 pints next time? Please, no. Well, James, I think I can hear last calls happening in the bar. Time to wrap the episode up. So what are you thinking, James? What are your uh, takeaways from this episode? I thought it was a very powerful episode. I felt that only halfway through the season, and it's using themes and stories of addiction and the problems therein, that was something which they needed to do. Having a show set in a bar, part of the responsibility they have is they should show the problems that alcoholism could cause. Obviously, it's the family show, so they couldn't go too dark and too deep, but I think they showed that balance well enough that showed the audience yes it's in a bar but addiction is a serious problem I think it was an emotional episode I think it dealt with heavy themes but I think ultimately it showed us that lucky objects can't solve all your problems and it comes from within and that's what we say here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name so thank you for listening and remember next time you're down on your luck power comes from within you can do this this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name Q theme tune